Hello everyone, this is episode 37 of Going Beyond Salvation, and I'm your host Jess Robinson, and right now I'm, you'll, uh, I'm sorry if you hear a heater going on in the background, I, um, over the weekend I developed really bad pain in the back of my neck, and on my shoulder, and, um, it's just starting to, the pain is starting to finally go away, um, this afternoon, but I notice that my pain really starts to get inflamed when I get really cold and our house doesn't retain heat very well. So if you hear a heater in the background, that's just what it is going on and that's not much I can do about it right now until we get another house and um, and I'm just pretty much sitting here with a towel of ginger water over some of the sore spots still that I've got um, but it's a lot better since the last few days and um, so continuing on in our reading um, we've gotten pretty much to the law in the book of Exodus. And um, practically, you know, as we've talked about with the law, you know, God set up the law because he was setting aside, um, he was setting apart, you know, the Israelites to be set apart from the nations. And he was using Israel to to bring the Messiah, which is Jesus you know, to bring about the Messiah, and to be set apart, you have to have the law, you know, to determine what is clean and what is unclean, that he is a holy God, what is holy and unholy, and, and how they were to live, and so, um, you know, continuing on in, in chapter 21, um, we see in verses 12 through 17, um, you know, these verses, they actually list four crimes to which God assigned the death penalty, um, premeditated murder, inflicting physical harm on parents, kidnapping, and verbal cursing to parents. So practically, you know, if a child was rebelling and at some point, you know, they could actually be killed and, you know, kids these days have it a lot easier. They don't get the death penalty for for cursing their parents, you know, and and all of that. And so it was, you know, these this punishment was indicating the importance God put on proper interpersonal relationships and proper family re relationships. And so he had that established. And, um, you know, continuing on, you know, um, he also, he, he, we see, he talks about different personal injuries and stuff that happen. And one thing that stands out was, you know, if a man, if men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury. The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, 
hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Now, a lot of capital punishment, people who are for capital punishment actually use this verse. And I was sitting there thinking about it going, but it's talking about a woman, a pregnant woman who gives birth prematurely in their serious injury. And so here we see that God is protecting unborn children. And see, today you see that, you know, most people say, well, an unborn child has no rights. But in the Bible, God gave an unborn child rights because, um, you know, if she gave birth prematurely and there was no serious harm, all the person had to do was pay a fine and whatever the court asked. But however, if there was serious injury, you know, to the child, you know, such as the child is dead, they had to pay according to the law of retaliation. Um, you know, and if death resulted to the mother of the child, then the perpetrator was found guilty of murder and had to pay with his life. Um, so, you know, we see that an unborn child is viewed here as a human being, you know, and if a fetus's death is considered murder, um, and this is going to be the only instance in the law where accidental manslaughter called for the death penalty. And um, the principle is clear. He, God is seeking to protect those who are least able to protect themselves, such as the unborn. And today it's, you know, a fight to, to protect the unborn. You know, most, and you know, when I, you know, when my mom, you know, when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, she had already had miscarriages. And when she was pregnant with my mother, the doctor made her be on bed rest for nine months. She could only, like, go to the bathroom. She couldn't clean her own home. Um, just because he wanted her to get to full term with this baby. And... So back then, it was like, we were going to fight to keep this baby alive, you know, in my grandma's day, you know. And, and today, if that would have happened, they would have said, well, you've already had two miscarriages. You need to just abort this baby because there's no way you're going to carry this baby to full term. And it's kind of sad that a lot of doctors these days... um would rather abort a child than a little baby than try to fight to keep it alive. And it's sad that we have to actually keep up on legislation. Like I right now with my job, we're watching, I'm covering where Wyoming's in a budget session right now. It's not a state session, but it's a budget session <laughs> And one of the bills that came up through the budget session that has passed, it was introduced, it got enough votes to be introduced, was that practically there's a certain time limit before, you know, if a certain time limit goes past, a doctor cannot abort a baby. And so, like, that's kind of going on in Wyoming. Like, there's always these new ones coming through. And it's like, 
It's like you just need to ban abortion just outright, you know. That's just how it is. I just need to send the. I think I just need to send this verse to, to to the three legislators in the state of Wyoming that I'm dealing with right now, and so, um, and have gotten to know them a little bit on a regular basis. So I'm probably going to end up sending that to them. Going, you just need to ban it outright. This is what the Bible says. So. Continuing on, you know, and he talks about protection of property and you actually see, a, and kind of going back up to, um, back into 21, we see this thing about, you know, a, a bull that's like got a habit of goring people. If you notice in our today's laws about like, especially like dogs, you know, because there's such a controversy about breed legislation. I'm not, you know, I don't think pit bulls are bad. You know, I think it's based on, like, people, how people raise them and all of that that causes an animal to, you know, be vicious or not and how they're treated. But, you know, I, and there's such a stigma. You know, me personally, I wouldn't own a pit bull. I don't, I'm not a dog person particularly. If I was going to have a dog... You know, it would be like a German Shepherd or um, <laughs> a German Shepherd or at least like maybe a Corgi or something. I'm not one of those people that would have a pit bull. It's just because it's not my preference, you know, just like, you know, some people, you know, they don't like chocolate or they don't like Hawaiian pizza or something. That's just how it is. You know, <laughs> I don't have anything against pit bulls. It's just they're not my type. But we see this like being discussed about like animals that have you know habit or whatever so that's kind of where the start like you kind of just start as you go through the law and you're you kind of like will start going wait a minute we have laws like this today well there's your root you know and and when you look into a lot of laws in the united states their roots actually come from the law in the bible and and all of that and so he, you know, he's talking about the protection of per personal property in several of, of the verses. And, you know, we talk about, we have those same kind of laws about protecting personal property and all of that and how that works out. And, you know, when you get into law, there's just like so much, like when you look into state statutes and everything, you go into Supreme Court opinions, it's kind of interesting, like, how that runs, because they always, like, try to go to the root, um, of where the law originated, so, um, and then continuing on, then there's social responsibility, and we see, you know, they talk about, you know, if a man sedu seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price and she shall be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for, for virgins. So this was like protecting, you know, women and, and it wasn't like they didn't have a choice. Now, there's a thing with, like, rape and stuff that is discussed later in the law. But, you know, like, still, the father had a choice. If they didn't want this this guy with her, 
and to be together, then, you know, still, the man still had to pay the bride price. Because at this point, you know, she's not a virgin anymore. And so the Lord was kind of just establishing, well, what if this happens? And so, and then, you know, we see about, you know, anybody who has sexual relations with an animal, which is bestiality, they were to be put to death. And I, I believe later on, it actually says too, that the animal has to be killed as well. Um, and then he's, he still, he still emphasizes a lot of things. Um, but he also talks about like, when we get into chapter 22, verse 22, he talks about widows or orphans and, um, and it's through verse 27, it reveals that God, he was deeply concerned about the hardships of the widow and the poor, the disadvantaged, and, and that he was moved with compassion for them. And we see that he applies rules, you know, to, to protect them and give them rights. And because he was concerned for them and making sure that they were well taken care of. And there is, you know, a certain social system that happens and all of that. Um, and then we see in, in verse 20, the second part of verse 29 through 30, he talks about giving the firstborn of your sons and to do the same with cattle, sheep, and that they're to stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day because of what he did in, in, in Egypt. It was a reminder that they were his because of what he did, the, the price that he paid for them. And then, um, it's actually kind of interesting going into chapter 23, you know, We see, you know, he's talking about, you know, the Lord is establishing how justice and testimony is supposed to happen, that we're not to pervert justice, we're not to side with the crowd. And like we see this today, that people, when you stand separate from, from what, what the world, worldly world says, you're, you're they actually say you're perverting justice. And it's like, no, we're actually not perverting justice. And that once again, he's protecting the poor by, and, and, but still bringing balance that we're not to show favoritism to, to anybody who's poor. He wanted a balance in judge justice. And, but then we talk about, you know, he even like addresses when you come across your enemy or somebody who hates you. And Jesus talks about that as well. You know, that this is what you're to do, how to love your enemy. And God was already like setting that up. And so Jesus was fulfilling that, that part of the law when he was saying, love your enemy. And you know, kind of, I'm, I'm going to go through verse nine, even though the daily reading would go through verse six and, 
just talking about not denying justice because God is a God of justice and he wanted justice to be fair. Now, yes, we are dealing with people who are human. I sit in a courtroom on an every other weekly basis and there are times that a judge's decision I will not agree with and it's just because yeah I've been in in the legal system before and just watching and learning the legal system myself when I was a legal assistant you kind of learn you learn the ropes and how decisions are made and you sit there and go and you start you start getting a hang of it and then you go especially when it's a brand new judge you kind of go whoa wait a minute and it's just because, you know, and I have to tell myself, they are brand new to the system. And so how they're going to do things, they've got to learn to practically start interpreting the law. They have all this being thrown at them. How Then they're learning how to, like, administer rights and making sure people's rights are being read. And so it's a lot of information that they have to learn by being thrown into the fire. And when you actually work in a legal system... How you learn is pretty much being thrown into the fire and figuring it out. <laughs> and so, you know, he's, God is a God of justice. And, you know, he was establishing, you know, that, you know, not to deny justice to poor people, but also not to show favoritism. He wanted people to be judged based on, you know, the circumstance that, you know, what, what was brought to them and that we're not to do anything with false charges and not to put an innocent or honest person to death because he's the ultimate judge and we have to answer to that. And then he talks about not accepting bribes because, and that's hard because today, you know, people will like, especially if you're a reporter, people try to bribe you to get what is supposed to be said. Now, like, I haven't really run across it because I'm in a small town and people are just honest in that, oh, I really shouldn't have said that in a public meeting, but it, oh, well, you know, it's going to be in the paper. That's a lot of people that say that. And, but these days there are people that do that, that there is a lot of bribing. And then he also provides protection for aliens that were not going to, you know, from their tribe, you know, from their country, um, because he wanted them to remember that, the, how they felt when they were in Egypt. So he still established rights for, for those who were aliens who were not Israelites. And that was just because that's how God is. He's loving and merciful just because he picked the Israelites to, you know, set apart doesn't mean that he didn't care about the rest of the world. You know, he was doing this as an ultimate redemptive plan. And so that's pretty much it for for Exodus um, for today. Um, and continuing on. So continuing on, we're talking about Psalm 21. And as we talked about with Psalm 20 last time, that... Psalm 20 and 21 are kind of companion psalms. And 20 was a prayer, you know, from David. It was a prayer before a battle. And then we see Psalm 21 is actually a a praise after the battle. And that just emphasizes that, you know, 
with our relationship with the Lord, there's a balance with prayer and praise. You know, if we're just all prayer and we're not praising the Lord, you know, I'm just going to say this, that we're trying, you know, we're just treating God like, you know, you know, give me, give me, give me, but never being thankful, you know, and then praising is giving God the glory and praising him. And praise is, is a weapon in, in spiritual warfare as well, you know, because when we're giving praise to, you know, to the Lord, you know, it's, it's just making, you know, the enemy, you know, smaller and smaller because we're glorifying the Lord and we're just, and it helps us, you know, it helps to, you know, humble us when we're, when we're praising the Lord to remind us of his goodness and, and who he is and who we are in him. And so, you know, we see this in the Psalm that David is giving praise to the Lord. And, you know, I think as, as believers, you know, Yes, every day you should be in a prayer time with the Lord, but you should also give praise and worship to the Lord and and give him the glory for everything that he's doing. And so that wasn't very much for for Psalm, but you know when we think about it with praise, you know, and I as I learned in one of my classes um not through the assemblies of God, but um through International School of the Word, which is through Perry Stone, the first class I ever took was Armor of God, and he actually talked about that praise was was like a spear, and and that um, he related it to the spears that the or known as the javelin that the Roman soldiers had, and they could actually like travel far. They would actually bend on impact and stuff, and you know, praise was was a huge thing, and. Praise is a huge thing. It's a big weapon for the Lord because, you know, we need to give him that praise. We need to give him the honor and, you know, because it's not us. It's not by our strength that, you know, we're healed. It's not by our strength that we overcome, you know, depression. It's through the Lord, you know, because that's who our healer is. That's who our redeemer, our our deliverer is, is, is through the Lord and our identity is in him. And so there should be a balance in our life with prayer and praise, you know. And I think, you know, and I've heard testimony and even myself that there have been times where, you know, yeah, I've taken my prayer requests to the Lord, but that I've taken time to worship and praise Him. And I actually, like, get a breakthrough more when I just praise Him. And so there's a balance there when, when you're doing that because you're really penetrating into the spiritual realm when you're praising and and all of that. And so that's pretty much it with Psalm 21. So looking at Matthew, um, it starts at chapter 23 and it doesn't finish all the way through. And I figure um, of just taking more time actually for tomorrow's podcast and actually going through all of 23 and then whatever little bit of 24 it will be safe for the the following the podcaster after that because we're getting into the Olivet discourse you know as we all know in chapter 23 we're in we're still in day 3 of the passion week which is the longest um day of the passion week that is recorded 
And so I'm actually going to end with this tonight and or end tonight and just let us go into chapter three, 23 tomorrow and just talking about that. And so for tomorrow, we're going to look at Exodus um, 20, chapter 23, verse 7 through chapter 25, verse 22. And then Psalm 22, verses 1 through 8. And then Proverbs 4, verses 3 through 4. And then Matthew 23, um, chapter 23, verse 27 through chapter 24, verse 8. And I'm going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord. We just thank you, God, and give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of justice and that you do care. You do care for us and that, Lord, you take care of us in every single way, Lord. Lord, let our lives just be filled with um, coming to your, your courts with praise and thanksgiving. And that, Lord, that we would also not be afraid to give our requests to you, Lord, for you do care. You do understand what we are going through. And we just thank you, God. I just pray that your word will continue to enlighten our hearts and give us revelation as we continue on. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.